everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coach's Corner, where I talk to a thought leader, expert, or fellow coach. In this last week's episode with Frankie, she was dealing with a lot of fear around the uncertainty she was feeling because life wasn't going according to her checklist. She was in the midst of her quarter-life crisis and dealing with several expectation hangovers. So I wanted to reach out to someone that could talk to us about fear and uncertainty and how to develop more courage and happiness. And our guest today is the perfect person to do this. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is an applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and radio show host specializing in sustainable well-being and lifestyle management. She helps her clients balance their minds, bodies, and emotions, resulting in greater overall well-being and the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth. She's a frequent radio and television guest, as well as an expert contributor to the Huffington Post, Positively Positive, and Inspire Me Today. She's the founder of Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit corporation. Lisa Spear had stigma-free trauma recovery and post-deployment reintegration services for military personnel and their loved ones. Lisa is also the creator and host of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I was recently a guest on that. That's how we met. And she provides her audience with helpful tips and insights for harvesting happiness, even under life's most challenging circumstances, or what I would call expectation hangover. So let's dive into our coach's corner with Lisa. Lisa, I'm so glad to have you here. We just recently got to know each other and found out we went to the same grad school, University of Santa Monica, where we got our master's in spiritual psychology. So we immediately had that bond. So thank you so much for being here to share your wisdom. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Christine. Well, one of the things that comes up a lot on this show when people call in for their coaching session is fear. Fear when they have an expectation hangover because there's a lot of uncertainty, fear about trying new things, even fear about processing emotions and really going into old pain, old trauma, because they're afraid that they'll never get to the other side of it. So that fear of really confronting the things that perhaps they want to confront. And I know that you are passionate about helping people move through fear and get to the other side of it and develop a lot of courage. So could you talk to us a little bit about really why we feel fear in the first place and how we can relate to it in a more healthy way? Yes, I I actually love talking about fear because it is one of those emotions that we loathe. Um, And when we are on the precipice of change, we tend to have a lot of because stepping into the unknown is quite frankly scary. So instead of trying to run from fear or quell fear, what I love to coach people to do is in fact dance with it, to transform the fear into something else, you know, to make it be sort of a power pack or a catalyst for the shift. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Can you give us an example of how it can be a catalyst for a shift? Yes, I can. I would love to, in fact. Um, you know, in, when, when we are in fear, we um, are worried. We're, we're mired in our expectation that something that has happened in the past, some negative reaction or negative situation will replicate itself in our present circumstance. So in other words, we are self-limiting. Because X, Y, and Z happened in the past when we tried something new, 
we automatically, and it's automatic, and it's subconsciously believe that that same, um, if, that same outcome will happen again. And that is usually mythology. So when we find ourselves in fear, fear of the unknown, fear of stretching ourselves, fear of confronting our emotions because we don't think that we can tolerate the discomfort from doing so, what I like to coach people to do is say, okay, acknowledge that the fear is present, acknowledge that you're about to do something that may not be comfortable or something that you're at ease with, and then grow courage. Because if we muster more courage, it will mitigate some of the fear. I'm not saying to eradicate the fear because I don't think we can. I think when we step over the portal or through the portal um, into more courage, the fear automatically begins to dissipate because we then learn to trust that we do have the strength, we do have the resources to change, albeit slowly. Mm. I love that. I love that. And that's, I know that because I've gotten to the other side of a lot of expectation hangovers and a lot of risks and a lot of things that I was really scared about. However, when I was right up against it, I I didn't know that, right? Especially in the beginning, especially, you know, our podcast episode this week, um, I was coaching a, a young woman who was dealing with, you know, a lot of expectation hangovers for the first time, which I th- think happens for a lot of people. It's in their 20s where they start to have kind of their, their quarter life crisis and things don't go their way. So when you're first up against it, what are some um, skills or tools that, that we can do to start to kind of calm that nervous system down and move through that fear? I think this is a great question. And I think what's important to point out are some of the common responses to fear. So people can identify it in their own experience. And, and because we may not be aware of it, when we are um, faced with what is uncomfortable or, or the uncertainty or our anxiety, we do the following kinds of things. We will self-medicate. We will shop. We will distract ourselves for hours ad nauseum on social media. We will do all these kinds of other things that we think we are handling what's going on, but really is a mask for it's a form of medication, you know, whether it's a glass of wine or uh, or a, a drug or some activity that takes us out of that discomfort. So what I like to coach people to do is to look at how healthy we are responding to the situation. And that requires a little bit of self-reflection. So if we see that we are um, busying ourselves with non-value added um, activities, one way to shift that is begin to take better self-care. And the self-care looks like breathing, as simply as breathing. Perhaps it's going out for a run, going to a spinning class, going to exercise, yoga, a hike, um, getting together with friends, going to some kind of support group, reading inspirational material, something that will help us be grounded and, and see and sort of safety check that in the present moment, we really are okay. Mm-hmm. That's so important to remember that in the present moment, we really are okay. Can you, would you share a little bit about some of the scary things you have been through or at least one and, and how you got through it and really what you learned from it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, I've been through a lot of scary things and, and failures. And I think it, it's, it, first of all, it, discussing it, being willing to share it and be open about it is one of the ways that I got through it, but I learned that as I went along in life. Uh, one very scary thing is after I had graduated from USM, which was in 2000, 
seven, I believe, um, I went through a divorce. We were on the edge of the financial crisis during which my family and I lost everything, including our home. So stepping into the unknown at the time with two young children on my own was extremely frightening. You know, especially for me, one of the things that always rooted me was the sense of security, the sense of home. So losing the very thing that I prized the most as a symbol of my ability to be okay was gone. So what was left and is left and remains happily is that it was my greatest opportunity for transformation and to transcend from that fearful place like, oh my God, I don't know what to do, to oh my God, look what I could create out of this, which is harvesting happiness, by the way, which is everything that I've done in the last 10 years. Mm, I love that. I love that. And it is those expectation hangovers, those times when we don't know, those times of uncertainty that we learn so much about courage. And I know courage is something that you're really passionate about. And I think there's some misunderstandings about what courage is. So could you talk a a little bit about what it's not and what courage actually is and how we develop more of it? Yes. Okay. So courage is not, is when you know what to do and you don't do it. So that's what would be the absence of courage. And having courage is knowing what to do and doing it anyway in spite of having fear. But courage is also using your mind, your body, and your intuition to say, geez, I know this is a really scary thing. And I know that if I can just take a step out there, dip a toe into the unknown, that I'm going to be okay. Having faith, I think, goes hand in hand with courage. I think a little bit of that is really necessary. I think a boundless sense of optimism, like, you know, I, I may not know where I'm going, but I'm going. I'm on my way somewhere, um, is also part of courage. I think courage um, can work really well when it's not doubted, and sometimes that's a challenge that we can have our doubts about our ability to pull this thing off, whatever this thing is, but then say, you know what, I know that I've got enough emotional muscle that I can, I can try. And, and, and I often tell clients, you know, try to pick up the pen that's on the table. And this is a big joke because you can't try to pick up the pen that's on the table. You either do or you don't. And do we think about the courage that it takes to pick up the pen from the table? No, we just do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the just doing it thing, I think as coaches, that's something that comes up a lot. And I notice a lot of people self-beat and go into a lot of self-judgment because they quote unquote know what they should do, but they just can't seem to muster up the the courage or the, or the faith to do it. And one of the misunderstandings I had about faith is I was waiting for the universe or God to show me the result of my prayer, and then I could have faith. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ah. like I wanted, I, I wanted the evidence first, and that's not how faith is developed. So, in those times, in those darker times, in those times when we need a little faith, how can we flex our faith muscles a little bit more? Well, I just want to say something about what, what you just said about the waiting for the signs. It's, it's like waiting for the cheerleading squad to come across your field and say, you know, go girl, go girl, go, go, go. You can do this. And we all do need that to a degree. And I think this is where support comes in, that when we um, align ourselves with an activity or a goal or some pursuit that really resonates for 
us, you know, whether it's our noble purpose or the discovery of what that noble purpose is. Joseph Campbell, the famous mythologist, says it so eloquently that doors will open where there had once been walls. And I think that's also a part of this element. Mm, I love that. I love that we have to, and we have to break the walls down, not just those external walls, but those internal walls around our heart, around our emotions and be really willing to, in a lot of ways, fall apart or what we perceive as falling apart to get back to the essence of who we truly are. And that's why I, you know, I get excited when people have expectation hangovers, not because I want them to suffer, but because I know that tremendous growth is on the other side of it for them. And Quite honestly, I really don't know anyone who has achieved great things that are also fulfilling, you know, that are truly in alignment with who they are and has, has grown internally and externally without, without some struggle and without some pain, for lack of a better word. And I know you deal a lot with that. I, I remember in, in, when you interviewed me, you said that you love working with people on the shadow, on the dark. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about our, our shadow side, our, our dark side, and and why it's not bad, why we shouldn't be scared of it? Oh, well, well I, I believe there's a certain um, exquisite beauty in that darkness because it is where we discover ourselves. You know, if we don't have the challenge, you know, we're never going to know really how much mental muscle, how much courage we really do possess. So the courage is embedded in the process of coming out of the dark into the light. I mean, it's it, the thing is, you know, you, you were talking about how to muster more courage or how to get out of fear. It's, it's not a thinking process. It's a feeling and an action process. And we're so terrified of our feelings. You know, oh, if we allow ourselves to go there that we're never going to get out of it. Well, if we allow ourselves to go there and we lean into that very thing, the monster, you know, that we're trying to run from, we usually find out that it's really, A, not so bad, and that monster is some disavowed or disowned aspect of ourselves that we just need to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we don't, then we just continue to suppress it. It leads to depression, it leads to illness, it can lead to addictions because we have to keep upping the ante. So exactly. we, we might as well dive, dive in there. So let's shift gears for a second because I know you're so, your brand and your purpose and your vision is all about harvesting happiness. And I love this because we're just talking about dark and as human beings, we learn through contrast. And so often we have to go through the dark, go through the suffering to really understand what happiness truly is. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about happiness too. So what is your definition of happiness and should we aim to be happy all the time? Is that possible? Well, I think the the definition of happiness is subjective, right? Every individual knows to some degree what makes them happy. Some people say, I don't know what makes me happy. And that in of itself can be a crisis for some people. So I think that happiness is, you know, when doing what you love to do um, is in alignment in some way with what makes you shine, what makes you absolutely rock as a person. So like, and it doesn't have to be a a profession. It can be, you know, if if somebody likes to surf, being able to go out in the ocean and sort of connect with nature and be in the flow of life and feeling like if this were my last day on earth, that would be okay. To to me, that's how I personally define happiness, although I'm not a surfer, but, you know, (laughs) this idea of of just sort of being fully present and and, and, in rapture with life. 
So that's one level of happiness. Then there's the happiness that we get from our relationships, you know, being with our children, being with our, with our partners, um, buying even a good pair of shoes. You know, there's a <laughs> level of happiness that comes from that. And I don't minimize or poo-poo that. Although I think the sustainable happiness, the kind of happiness that comes from life satisfaction, contentment, peace, um, feeling like we're living the right life for ourselves is very internally referenced as opposed to externally referenced. So I think that's the element of happiness um, that I know that I strive for for myself and hope to imbue in clients that I work with. The idea that being happy all the time well, I think contrast heightens awareness. If you were happy all the time, would you necessarily value it? Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. And one of the things that I have seen in people striving for happy all the time is it's a lot of pressure. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a exhausting. lot of pressure. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of spiritual bypass that happens, you yeah. know, of when a human thing happens. Oh, I can't feel sad. I, I, I can't feel upset. Like I just have to be happy, happy, happy. And a lot of times it's, it's a mask. And yeah. so uh, authentic happiness that truly comes from joy and gratitude and being in alignment with your, who you are and your gifts is a lot different than the pressure to be happy because you're uncomfortable with your emotions. Yeah. So, you know, I've had times when I'm going through something hard, but there's still, there's still like a happiness that I can get to because I'm happy that I have the tools to go through it. I'm happy that I have the support community. Um, and, and for me, happiness and gratitude go hand in hand. Oh, I, I agree. I, I really do agree. And the, the idea that um, we can experience what's happening, you know, and if, if something bad is happening, be fully immersed in that moment and move through it, you know, that in of itself is, is part of what makes a happy person. You know, we are so afraid of our suffering. You know, we are hardwired for pleasure, our, the, the human brain, and we are adverse to discomfort. So when we experience discomfort, and this comes from a very primal response, in, in, you know, from a reptilian part of our brain, it, it, it tells us we're in danger. You know, because the brain has a negativity bias, when we experience any of these negative emotions, we're afraid of them because we feel like, you know, danger, danger, danger. Um, it's fight or flight response, you know, that we're going to have to sort of go out and kill the, the, the wild beast in order to maintain our safety. And that's a very, very ancient response when in reality, if we are able to just deal with these um, feelings as they come up and roll with them like the waves in the ocean. You know, they come in, they come out. We have about 70,000 plus or minus thoughts a day. That's a whole lot of thoughts. And where does our attention stick? Usually on the negative ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we remember that one terrible thing someone said to us in fourth grade rather right. than <laughs> right. every compliment we've given. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and in, in expectation hangover on the emotional level, we actually use the metaphor of the surfer to, to ride the waves of, of our emotions. So what I'm really hearing and, and everything you're sharing is really giving us ourselves full permission to be human and have the range of our human experience and, yeah. and dive in dive into all of it because it's all rich and it all leads to greater courage, greater faith and greater happiness. I couldn't agree with you more. And I just want to add one thing that about being afraid of our emotions and our feelings that, um, our emotions and our feelings will not kill us. 
the behaviors that result from not wanting to deal with them could. So well said. So well said. Lisa, where can people go to get more of you, to learn from you, to read from you? Where, tell us where they can find you. I can be found at harvestinghappiness.com. I can also be found on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio each and every week on the internet. <laughs>